Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. How do companies fail after an offer is signed? Uh, so your offer has been signed, the candidate is committed, now what? Ever had a person sign your offer and not start? Most likely, you failed to keep them engaged in active participation while waiting for their start date. Or maybe um, you had a person start and then not come back the next day after work. So it's probably not their fault. It might have been a bad hire, but most likely it was yours. My name is Rick Gerard, and you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show, where we focus on helping companies solve the most difficult hiring challenges. Today, we are talking to Elizabeth Pate Morton, who has extensive experience leading HR. Elizabeth was a key member in the HR leadership team at Apogee, which successfully went public in 2015. And now she's heading up human resources for a company called Snowflake Computing in San Mateo, California. And let me tell you, Elizabeth knows this process. I've personally worked with her, and believe me, she's outstanding in an onboarding process. Um, She knows how to keep new employees engaged and invested. She's one of the best. So, Elizabeth, thank you for being with us today on the show. Thank you. That's a very nice introduction. I'm very flattered. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, as a as a recruiter, so let's kind of hop into it. You know, I've I've successfully you know hypothetically placed a, an individual with your company, and and my job is is not necessarily done, but now is time for the handoff, and and I think this is where uh, a piece that's quite crucial in the hiring process and often overlooked. And I feel a lot of companies kind of drop the ball on this play, on, from this perspective. So what do you feel, Elizabeth, uh, organizations typically do wrong in, the, in this transition? You know, I think a lot of times uh, it's not necessarily uh, something that people do on purpose or organizations do on purpose, but companies are busy, especially companies in Silicon Valley that are in high growth mode. So you are out there casting a wide net trying to fill your position so that you can grow your company. And oftentimes it's it's resources and it's time. So the recruiters have found a candidate, you know, now they're gonna move on to the next person, but there's a period of time between when the candidate accepts the offer and then when they walk in the door, and that's one period. And then from day one, how they're greeted and how they're onboarded is step two. They have to show up for step two to start. <laughs> that Absolutely. That is critical that they show up for the first day. Absolutely. If they don't, then something went wrong between the time the offer was signed and that first day. And I think companies can really invest in that time. And it's not a lot, right? You just have to have a consistent process. Absolutely. Um, and so what we're talking about here is engagement, right? Engaging the candidate through that process. Yeah, and when you're talking about engagement, you're talking about engage, engage, and then engage some more. And and there's a fine line between communicating with someone and harassing them, right? You don't want to come across as a stalker that's calling them every day, but you want to come from a place of emotion as opposed to a place of direction. Emotion lets you connect with the person directly versus filling the gap and the role. You, what you want to do is your candidates accepted the offer, the manager should be reaching out to them right away and and expressing to them how excited they are about that person joining the team and making sure that their level of excitement is the same for the candidate coming in and the manager bringing them in. 
they should invite them in for lunch, right? Have them meet the rest of their team. And it's not a working meeting. It's just an opportunity to put FaceTime with people. If your company has swag, send them a box in the mail. Get them a T-shirt. Get them a sticker. Get them a – we have temporary tattoos here, so that's kind of fun. Um, (laughs) You know, whatever you have, get it in front of them because you want them to continue thinking about your company during that transition period. And domestically, that's typically going to be two weeks. Internationally, now you're talking a month, and a lot can go wrong in 30 days. Absolutely. And and what you want to do is make sure that guys like me or – hiring managers who worked with them in the past once you check references to find out they're looking don't take advantage of that two-week cycle Mm-hmm. exactly yeah so um l- let's define for me what what you consider to be like at its root employee engagement for me, employee engagement is giving people to feel that they belong in the circle that you're bringing them into. Companies really are like a tribe, right? You've got everyone really looking at the same goal. You've got everyone has a different responsibility um, to make that tribe successful. And so if you bring people in and you give them the feeling that no matter what their role is, that it is critical to the success of the organization, it helps them to understand why they're there. On the flip side, you have to let them know why everyone else's role is critical so that they're part of a team and that they understand where their piece is and how the performance of that piece affects the other people in the team. You have to engage with them, and you, it starts in the interview process. It gets, becomes critical once the offer has been signed, and it doesn't stop on day one. It's a continuous process that goes on. And, you know, it's like a big family, right? You. You don't just ignore someone in your family when things are going poorly. You know, you bring everybody together and you solve together. And well, engagement is knowing that you can do your part and you can also help with everybody else's. Gotcha. Well, some families do ignore the uh, <laughs> the, the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> right. Not my family particularly. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so what's the most common way that you've that you've seen that organizations actually fail in in when it comes to this process uh simple they get too busy and they start looking to the next role to fill and so your candidate's accepted and then you don't think about them until they start the worst feeling that an employee can have is when they walk in the door on day one and everyone looks surprised that they're there right no one's taken the time to reach out to them there's no welcome note there's you know their manager maybe is off that day and they haven't assigned someone else right and the person literally is standing there looking around wondering i don't even know what my part is or why it's important no one cares that i'm here yeah um so that it's really important that you have a, a nice process set up in advance so people feel welcome and excited which which brings us to the second step which would be onboarding right so where where do you see the failure on the onboarding process? Well, I've worked in companies where you've come in on your first day and they sit you at an empty desk uh, and give you a stack of forms and you spend the first couple of hours trying to figure out, you know, where your direct deposit's going and who they should call in case you faint. You know, that's all necessary, but it's not really engaging them right away. It's sort of sitting them in a corner. What I find is, is much better is to give them all of that stuff in advance. And some people will show up with it already done and some people won't, and that's fine. But the, the real, the critical part of day one is getting them in a room with other new hires and representatives from the company. So you get in there and you set the energy level 
minute one, day one. So I typically am the first presenter at our um, onboarding now because I come in, and as you hear me now, I have a, a good high level of energy. I try not to drink too much coffee in the morning. I don't want to scare them or think we need seatbelts in the training room. But, uh, you know, I set them off at the right pace. And then they get a chance to meet me. They get a chance to meet some folks from our IT department. They get a chance to meet some folks from security. We show them a video that shows our CEO and his energy level, which I've got nothing on him. You know, and it really gets people engaged and really feeling like, wow, you know, this is a whole program to get me used to being here and to, to let me hit the ground running. And they know, they instinctively know that you've put a t- some time and effort into making sure that they have a smooth um, entry into your organization. Got it. Sitting them Got in it. a desk in the corner, not great. All right. So I want to look on the second part of the show. I'd like to dig into a little bit more of a step-by-step where we break that down a little bit for, sure. for, for some of our listeners. But so what would you say would be kind of um, in, in building out this process? And I know that you just mentioned um, people get busy, right? What would be some of the challenges they face in, in building out this process that maybe we can help them out with? You know, I think you need to have one person own it. So you have to give it to someone who is passionate about the organization. You want someone who's got the right energy level, who can really sell it. And, and, and it doesn't have to be a leader. <clears throat> you know, some of the strongest leaders that we have are not defined as managers. There are people in the organization that other people look to. So we brought in um, the person I call our culture officer who's been here from day one. And I think that's a good person to start with in a smaller organization is someone who's been there a while. And not someone who's at an executive level, someone who can really put some time and effort into rallying the troops around who's going to present and what type of content you're going to present and can really keep those folks on track. Um, It's time, right? Time and resources are the reasons why companies sometimes don't do the right thing. <clears throat> and it's not about um, that it's not worth it. Because once you get it going, you can see the value, and it's definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. You, you say it's worth it. So then what are the benefits, right? So how does this help to develop stronger teams? How does it ultimately help the company's bottom line? Well, so everybody who's new in the room is an instant buddy because they have something in common. So all of the new hires get an opportunity to sit and interact with each other and to kind of learn at the same pace what's going on in the organization. <clears throat> I think it, it helps the organization because we have you want to bring in guest speakers, like we do, from different departments. So whether you work in engineering or marketing or accounting, you actually get to meet someone from those other groups to give you the bigger picture of how you can how you contribute. You, um, you know, when a, when a person comes in and they don't know where their value is or they don't understand how important their piece is, it starts to create behaviors that distract from the business because people inherently want to know that their job is important and they will find other ways to confirm that. Um, if your company is confirming that through, organi- through orientation and saying right there in front of everyone that you marketing person, you uh, software engineer, you finance uh, accountant, you know you are you all have a piece of this, and it's equally important because we have to get there together. And I think that's the message that goes out that helps the organization right away is that the message of we're in it together comes on minute one, day one. Got it. Okay. And and so they're they're believing the message. They buy into it, they love it, they you know, they're they're basically part of the team. 
Yeah, um, I mean, for lack of a, of a better phrase, they are drinking the Kool-Aid from a fire hose on day one, if you're doing <laughs> it right. Got it. So, um, let's see, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Elizabeth uh, Pay Morton about the challenges companies uh, face when they're um, waiting for a new hire to start. When we come back, we'll discuss how to keep your new employees excited about your company, and more importantly, step-by-step how to do it. We're right back. You're listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Hire Power with Rick Gerard. Welcome back to the Hire Power Radio Show. Um, we are speaking with Elizabeth Pate Morton about how to t- keep a new employee committed to joining your company. Uh, we discussed common mistakes companies make after the offer is signed, and now we're going to talk about how to implement kind of an att- effective technique to ensure a successful start. Um, so, Elizabeth, what is the first step an organization should take after a candidate signs the offer to get them engaged? So I think the first step is you assign, uh, if you have the bandwidth in your organization, you have to have enough people to assign a buddy to that person. And that buddy should then have the first responsibility of reaching out after the manager. So the hiring manager has reached out to the candidate. They've accepted their offer. They've expressed to them how excited they are to be joining the organization. They're gauging the candidate's level of excitement. They then will assign uh, a buddy to that person. That buddy can then reach out to them a few days later, perhaps invite them into the office for lunch if they're local, Um, maybe just do a quick uh, Skype meeting with the team to meet everyone. And you want to be careful that those aren't working meetings that you're inviting a candidate into because you want to wait till they start to get them working. Got it. And now having them meet people. And now with that buddy, is that buddy usually somebody they're going to work with? Or would that tend to be maybe the recruiter who they initially engaged with? Or would it be somebody in HR? Does it matter? No, it's typically going to be someone on their work team because you want someone that you can ask questions that you may not feel comfortable asking your manager right away. Like, you know, hey, when do people typically, you know, cut out for lunch or, you know, what's the policy on if I'm having my refrigerator delivered tomorrow afternoon? You know, what do you guys do generally? It's kind of nice to have someone who kind of knows the ropes and um, can get some of those questions answered that aren't necessarily about the job in a more comfortable and um, in a you know, just a safer way. Okay. And then now what would be the next effective steps from there? So I would have someone from the office management team send a package to the employee's home. Uh, if if they have a family and you figured that out, you know, you, there's a lot of things you're not going to be able to ask right away, but you can certainly tell. Um you know, send something to the family. Maybe it's a basket with some treats for everybody, welcoming them to the company. Uh, if it's an individual, maybe you send them a package with a company T-shirt, um, you know, some things that will keep them thinking about the organization. You know, I'll tell you, before I started Snowflake, um, I received uh, a package in the mail from them that had a T-shirt and a bunch of other stuff. And I was in Hawaii the week before. 
And I sent the company a picture of me in Hawaii with my snowflake shirt on saying, look at this, it's snowing in Hawaii. You know, I was on vacation and I was already thinking about how I was going to get back to start my new job because they'd been engaging with me so heavily that I was already in, 100% in before I started. And, and you know, I think it's also important, too, that the recruiter in the process who actually got them engaged with the company in the first place touch point, too. Yes. You know, just to make the sure that... is going to be their main contact, right? Sure. Okay. You know, so once the office manager sent a box this way, so now you've got the recruiter reaching out on, on the regular, right? Because that's their main contact. Their managers express to them their excitement. Their buddies ready for them. They already know somebody when they get there. It's going to be waiting and a friendly face for them. They've got their company shirt, you know, and, and now just two weeks have passed and it really hasn't been a huge amount of effort on any one individual. Got it. Now, day one, they start. Hopefully, they show up in their new shirt. <laughs> yeah. And typically, as a recruiter, I will follow up with them that morning, make sure they're all set to go, make sure they have directions, you know, just to make sure that uh, everything's switched on. Then they show up for work. Then what? So now we schedule, you know, we make sure they understand what their first day is going to look like. So we send out the schedule in advance. Very important. We typically have new hires show up a little bit later than the regular employees just to give folks a chance to get here, get settled, and, you know, again, act like they're not surprised that their their coworker has shown up. So we send out the advance schedule of when they're going to training, what time they need to be here, who they're going to meet with, or, and what subjects we're going to go over. And then as soon as they get here, we hand them their computer and a bag of just some things that they may or may not need at their desk. And we provide kind of cool stuff. We give out, you know, a Bose headset because we're in an open office. So things that they can use here to make it a little bit more comfortable. And then we kick right off with uh, my, I do the kickoff of orientation and the introductions. And then they go through all the things that they need to get started on day one, meet with IT, that we have security training that needs to happen. We talk about the history of the company and a little bit about the product and what we do. We plan to have um, expanding our, our, our onboarding and bringing, we call our leadership team the Snow Chiefs. And so I am one of them, but I'd love to have another one come in and just have a chat with people and welcome them. And I think the more that you do that, it's really a choice. It's a choice to bring them in the fold in a way that's really productive and welcoming versus, you know, go sit in the corner. We're not going to tell anyone you're going to be here and you'll just be able to start working right. It doesn't feel the same. Gotcha. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree with that. I mean, there's nothing worse than having to walk around the building trying to figure out where the bathroom is. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that, that's the craziness. I actually do a tour. I, we have them start on the, the third floor of our building, but orientation is on the second floor. So I pick them up out of the cafeteria area, and we go for a little walk, and I stop and say, here's the code for the bathroom. Anybody need to leave? Go do that. You know, here's the coffee machine. Here's the parking area. It, just so people can get a feel of the land. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it is not nice to have to ask them where the bathroom is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good thing you've got that buddy. <laughs> Hopefully, he's been to the bathroom at least once. Now, are you are you taking them around and actually introducing them to the different apartment heads, or letting them know who's who, or you know? Where Not yet, because okay. we go through that as one of our slides. Um, okay. But what I do is I'll tell them, you know, this particular area is where engineering sits, uh, marketing and sales are across the street, finance is downstairs. And so they, if they need to find somebody, they have an idea where to go. We're in a little bit of a unique situation in that we have 
four floors in two separate buildings across the street from each other. So uh, sometimes the person you're looking for, you know, just dodged you because they got in the elevator to come in this, this building while you were leaving to go to the other building. So it's helpful to know where people are. It's just more efficient. Got it. Okay. And now are you pulling in, you had mentioned other departments. So who in the other departments do you typically pull into that first day training? So we'd love to have Bob, our CEO, right? Bob Mowgli is just such a big personality, and he's just so excited about the company. It's absolutely infectious, but he travels, and so we have a video of him. But what I'd love to do is have, you know, Denise, who's our head of marketing, or Chris, who's our head of sales, come in and just have a quick meeting and conversation about, you know, why Snowflake for them. And I think that helps to reinforce people. Um, And what we'll do is as we get bigger and we start doing these in different locations, we want people to have the same experience. So we will hire someone to come in and, and videotape the orientation or videotape individual people speaking so that we have that available for anyone who wants to see it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now, if a company, I mean, a company's not going to be able to implement the same process that you do, correct? But, I mean, really, let's let's break this down into, let's say you're a small startup and you have a situation where, you know, you might have a person who can have lead this, what would be the core elements that you would need to put in place in order for somebody to be impressed on the first day that they start through the process as opposed to being lost? You know, I think if you have five or 500 employees, it's a very similar process. You know, you're still having someone reach out between the the offer acceptance and start. Um, You can still certainly, you know, you may not have company swag, but you can send articles maybe about the company. You can send links uh, to uh, Glassdoor if your rating is good. Maybe not so much if it's not. Sure. Um, Right. (laughs) Or explain that to people. Like, explain why is it like that. Um, Because you should know. You should know what people are saying about your business, and you should be able to confirm or defend those things. Absolutely. yeah, 100%. Um, you know, you can have people come in and sit with their manager, and their manager can be the one to go through uh, what's going on in the department and who does what. And you can have someone who, you know, maybe you have an office manager slash facility slash receptionist slash mom, you know, it's with a person who has a million jobs in a small company. Yeah. That person can certainly spend a few minutes with a new hire and kind of show them the ropes. Um, you don't have to be big to do this. Uh, it gets bigger as you get bigger. But you really want to start off with just welcoming them in the appropriate way, which is knowing that they're showing up, being there before them, welcoming at the door, and then explaining to them how their piece fits into the big pie of the company. It's so, so important that you do that. That it, There's no greater way to invest them in and, making sure that they do their best job every day. And just to add to that, I mean, if it's the first day and you have a schedule, make sure you stick to the schedule. Of, of what yeah. needs to happen, right? Yeah. So, and if you don't, don't miss, don't just skip it. Make sure you come back to it later. Exactly. So if done correctly, what should the results look like from both the company and the, and the uh, new employee's perspective? So from the employee's perspective, uh, we had an orientation yesterday, and it was uh, one of the first expanded orientations that we had done. And so um, <clears throat> we had about nine people in there. And I had five of them tell me today that they had it was the best orientation that they've had um, because it was so engaging and the energy level was so high. They came out of that really excited to get going as opposed to nervous on their first day. Got so it. I think you, you, as a company, you really win the investment of that person and their 
they're already engaged and raring to go. From a business perspective, you're spending a lot less time um, doing one-on-one conversations and minimal training, like the introductory stuff, because you're able to knock that out in the beginning. So your employee can come to your department after orientation is done. They have their computer. They know how to use it. Let's start having meetings about the work. And it really it just, it, it just accelerates kind of the learning curve. And it keeps people invested, right? If you work for a place that you're pretty excited about, it doesn't always feel like work. And that that's the best, right? I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I love it. And so when I'm thinking about something on a Saturday or on a t- Tuesday night, it doesn't feel like work. And that's, the, that's what I want the employees to feel like. They're, they're part of something bigger than just their job. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're running about out of time for today's show. I wish I could keep you longer, Elizabeth, but um, thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to, to share your insights with us on in the Higher Power Radio community. Um, now, if listeners would like to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? So I am the uh, leader of HR at Snowflake Computing in San Mateo. Uh, my email is very simple. It's my full name, Elizabeth Tate Morton at snowflake.net. And um, just a little bit about Snowflake is, you know, we are uh, the only data warehouse built for the cloud. We, in 2017, uh, in June of this year, we announced the Snowflake Data Share House, which is a first world technology that extends the cloud and the data warehouse to the data share house so that companies can share data to help with their own analytics and grow their business in a very simple way. Um, pretty exciting company. Uh, it's also easy to reach me if you don't like typing out my full name. I sure don't. Uh, it's just epm at snowflake.net is an alternate email address for me. So Excellent. thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And thanks for thanks for being on our show. So um, thank you for to our listening audience. <laughs> thank you to our listening audience for tuning in. Well, I had a little tongue twister there. A quick uh, thanks to our team, um, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Joan Park, Haley Stern, Shanti Ryle, and our executive producer, Kim Iverson. For the latest insights on the Higher Power Radio Show, follow our Facebook page at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power Radio Show, or check out our blog on stridesearch.com forward slash blog. Uh, tune in next week as our guest will be Corey Estes, who is the talent acquisition professional over at SpaceX. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 